0: Hello. You're listening to a special episode of Gen Ed, an NC State student-focused podcast recorded from the production room of WKNC-FM HD1 Raleigh. This week's episode is celebrating Diversity Education Week 2016 at North Carolina State University. I sat down with the assistant director of the GLBT Center at NCSU to talk about microaggressions and intersectionality. You are not alone on this campus, and there are so many different groups and organizations that would love to make you feel more at home. Today, we'll be highlighting a few of those organizations that exist within and through the GLBT Center. If you have a topic you'd like to hear discussed on Gen Ed, please email podcast at wknc.org. Thanks for listening! It's GLBT History Month, so what is the Center doing to celebrate?
1: Absolutely, so this History Month, we're focusing on um, carving out and creating space and dismantling systems of oppression, and so really having a lot of our focus on institutional oppression that exists for not only GLBT, not only talking about basically systemic oppression as it relates to the GLBT community, but systemic oppression as it relates to all our communities um, intersectionally. So one program that we have coming up actually tomorrow, which will be the 12th, is what is racial justice? So talking about racial justice as a construct and how we can work towards becoming better allies and also looking across the intersections of identity, whether that is race and ethnicity as it relates to other aspects of your identity. And then we have some great speakers coming in talking about the Voter Rights Act. Uh, we had a speaker that was going to come in talking about institutionalized oppression for LGBT youth in the juvenile justice system, but they weren't able to come this year. But just along those same lines of really trying to create space and, and, and carving. And and, and, and cultivating a conversation around institutionalized oppression and systems of oppression as it relates to GLBT history.
0: So, what kind of what student groups do you have within the center right
1: now? Yeah, so we have six different student groups, two of which are student organizations that are affiliated with like student involvement. So, Jablicka, which is our largest student organization, it's kind of our umbrella organization as well. It houses the majority of the students that utilize our space. They meet on Tuesdays from 7 to about 9 every Tuesday, and that group is made up of a leadership board of student leaders and also advised by myself and the director of the GLBT Center, Renee Wells. And they do programs that talk about a variety of issues that relate to GLBT experience, whether it's issues happening on campus, whether it's understanding more about different identities within the GLBT spectrum, and also creating space for community building. So they do lots of fun events, they have movie nights, they also do crafting and things of that nature. OSTEM, which is our organization called OUT for Science, Technology, Engineering and Math. So looking at our students who identify as GLBT but are also in our STEM fields and we'll really be working on kind of professional development, career focused, also how do you be out while still being within these very science-dominated fields and what does that look like for you? What is that experience like for you? And then our other four groups are more discussion based groups. Um, we have one called Ace Pack, which looks at our asexual and aromantic students and their allies really trying to cultivate community for that group as well as increase a dialogue across an identity that might not get as much attention or much visibility. We also have BiPan, they meet on Mondays, every other Monday. So there's BiPan, which is another open group that is for bisexual and pansexual and allied communities. And then T-Files, which is a closed group for our trans and gender nonconforming students. And then QPOC, which is a group for our queer people of color. Okay.
0: So, next question is about that term you threw around. So, what does it mean to be intersectional?
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, and I love talking about intersectionality. (laughs) So, if you really want to talk about intersectionality, you got to get to its origins, right? And you have to talk about how intersectionality came to be as a construct. Um, Kimberly Crenshaw, back in, I believe, 1989, was this law professor um, at Stanford, and she was really critiquing the fact that the feminist movement didn't really cultivate a space or acknowledge the identities of women of color within that movement. So they were talking about race as a separate construct and, and feminism as a separate construct and not talking about the ways that those interact and overlap with one another. She recognized that there were different oppressions that a woman of color was facing as opposed to a white woman or um, a woman who didn't identify as a woman of color. And so from that, talking about ways that you have to recognize all of the identities that people hold and car- carve space and cultivate a conversation around those identities because each of those identities carries different levels of oppression that can potentially impact the way that you navigate and move through this world. So looking across this whole spectrum of identity that we all hold and really understanding how each of those overlap or are interconnected and cannot be readily parsed apart. <laughs> if I was given an elevator speech, about um, Intersectionality. intersectionality I would say that we all live these very multifaceted lives and we all have lots of identities that we hold and with those identities that we hold there are different opportunities for privilege for power and for oppression and intersectionality recognizes that you hold all of those different identities simultaneously and that you cannot say that today i'm going to identify as a man and tomorrow I'll identify as black or today i'll identify as cisgender and tomorrow i'll identify as gay no you identify as all of that all at once and with that there's a lot of baggage that comes with that and that really impacts the way that you move and navigate through this world mm-hmm. so recognizing that and creating space for that and also working on overcoming barriers that may be associated with some of those identities.
0: So why is it important to recognize intersectionality?
1: Going back to the whole, we're not living these singular lives. Like in order for you to bring yourself fully into any conversation, into any space that you're going to, you're going to bring all of those identities. And if... For some reason, one of those identities isn't supported in that space. It feels like you have to negotiate what you bring to that table at that moment. And we want to create spaces where people don't have to negotiate their identities. We want to create spaces where people don't have to say... I'm going to put this X identity on the back burner in order to be in the space comfortably. We want to make sure that we are teaching folks that you need to be intersectional in your thoughts and your practices and also in the ways that you support people. And so thinking about all of that, working together and recognizing that we all have these multifaceted lives that come with multiple identities that need to be acknowledged and, and celebrated at the same levels.
0: So what are some of the challenges um you see students face in regards to having like intersectional identities
1: well one the concept is really complex right so a lot of times folks don't even realize the impact that these identities have on each other. Um, Sometimes people won't even recognize that these identities are being influenced until they sit back and really reflect on how they're being treated or how they're moving across this world, right? And so for for a lot of people, this being this new concept, it's something that we have to really learn. And then in that learning, there's a lot of unlearning that we have to do as well. And so sometimes folks aren't ready for that unlearning or it takes them a lot longer to do some of the unlearning that's necessary to create these spaces that are a little bit more inclusive when we're thinking about ways that we can be inclusive in our thoughts and our practices we have to think about the whole person and not just individual aspects of their identity and from that we can start to be more aware of what we do how we impact and influence others and how they are influenced and impacted by our actions and our thoughts
0: do you want to talk about Microaggressions.
1: Yeah. So microaggressions. There. So there's three different types of microaggressions. But when we're talking about microaggressions, we're talking about any instance, comment, um, action, or behavior that is really directed towards somebody whether it's conscious or unconscious and it's kind of this subtle form the subtle snub that someone does to somebody else based on identity that they hold so you can have a microaggression that's racially based so if you try to compliment someone on i just had this conversation actually today um a friend of mine changed her hairstyle and her hairstyle now looks very much more um wavy and european but Everyone's complimenting her about this all the time. And so she basically said, but my natural hair wasn't something that you complimented at the same level at the same time. So this is kind of a migration, even though you're complimenting me on this new hairstyle that I have, you're also telling me that the hairstyle I had before wasn't acceptable or it wasn't something that you deemed as beautiful. Also thinking about the times where we're trying to be quote unquote polite to folks, but actually are saying something that's actually doing harm to people, like complimenting someone on their, their accent or their their grammar when they're a, a student who's an international student, or when you're doing something like trying to quote unquote, dance, like insert race or ethnicity, things of that nature, like these comments that seem really silly, but also are really hurtful and really harmful. And so for a lot of folks, these microaggressions, as they happen and as they exist, people don't recognize that they're doing it because of the fact that it's so ingrained in our systems. It's so ingrained in things that we think are complementary, but actually are not, and actually are very harmful and have a larger impact on people.
0: Especially in the South, I feel like it's a lot of our culture is being two-faced, like, oh, bless your heart.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I said all the time, too.
0: <laughs> How can we stop performing microaggressions, like, yeah. for
1: Allies and who aren't um, minorities. So, when you talk about microaggressions, I think it's also important that we recognize our implicit and unconscious bias that we have, and recognizing that we all carry some form of implicit and unconscious bias so with that starting to stop it before it comes out and starting to to act on it before we say something that's going to be hurtful or harmful when we become aware of those implicit biases or those unconscious biases that we hold we can actually start to do that unlearning of those implicit biases and then start to create more inclusive spaces and allow people to be themselves and not create these stereotypes for folks that then impact the way that we see them or the way that we communicate with one another so one is always just raising your awareness and just being conscious of what you're saying and what you're doing and also microaggressions happen but I always find it really interesting the way people respond when they're called out on the microaggressions that are happening a lot of times people go into this very defensive well that's not what I meant or you know me and that's not how I think well that's what you said and this is the impact that it's had Mm -hmm. on me so owning that Learning from that, trying to not make that mistake again, and trying to really be cognizant of what that message that you said, the weight that it carries for someone who is from a marginalized group or uh-huh. someone who's from a group that's not um, that's being directly affected by that microaggression.
0: So, are there any resources within Jiblitka that can help educate students, make them more conscious? Yeah.
1: So, attending a Jiblica meeting in general is a way that you can become more conscious of microaggressions or just being more conscious of some of the language that may be actually harmful or microaggressions that can be really hurtful. Uh, attending programs from any organization that's affiliated with the campus community centers and becoming more aware of some of those languages and some of those um, actions that are have some unintended harm. We also have a workshop that we do in the GOPT Center mainly for our faculty and staff, but if a student were to come. We would never turn a student away, and actually, one is coming up on October 31st called "Examining Microaggressions" and really <laughs> unpacking some of those. Um, the GLBT Center also has worked with Multicultural Student Affairs, African American Cultural Center, to um, put on programs and events around microaggressions and how that impacts the GLBT community, as well as communities of colors, as well as um, communities that are differently abled, as well as different socioeconomic statuses and things mm-hmm. of that nature.
0: Is that
1: the Advocate Program? Yes, the Advocate Program. Um, Our Advocate Program is geared specifically for our faculty and staff for a continuing education program and an engagement program, but we've had students in the past who participated in an advocate program and love the workshops that we put on and want to know more and want to get involved more, and we totally welcome that. So Project SAFE is uh, one particular um, workshop that's about three hours long, and it talks to you about issues that impact the GOPT community, um, how that looks at the national level, internationally, and also on NC State's campus campus. Also talking about ways that we can be more inclusive in our thoughts and our practices, how we can cultivate classrooms and, and friend groups that can be a little bit more inclusive and a little more supportive of our GLBT community, as well as just basically giving you an opportunity to understand some concepts and language that you may not be familiar with. There are a lot of terms under the GOVT umbrella that folks may not have experience, may not have a keen understanding on, so we try to talk about all of that or as much as we can within that three hours and as much as the conversation allows us to.
0: Are there any topics that you frequently hear students discuss, like issues going on on campus or that they're not feeling like safe or anything uh, like that?
1: There have been lots of talks going on right now around um, the Black Lives Matter movement and and really calling to attention a lot of inequities that are happening and and a lot of campus climate that's going on, especially for our students of color. And then thinking about that on a larger scale, thinking about how that impacts our campus community and messages that send to incoming students as well as our alumni. And so really try, striving to find spaces in, in ways that we as an institution, we as staff members within the institution, can support students and, and making sure that students are affirmed and validated within the campus and community centers. That is what we do, right? So we make sure that students have a space that they can call home, a safe space where they can be themselves, a space where they can grow and they can learn. And now it's reaching out from just the campus community centers and students who frequent that to the students who don't necessarily frequent these spaces, how do we educate those students as well? So that way, your safe space isn't one or two places on campus. Your safe space is the entire mm-hmm. campus as a whole. So working on our education outreach for that and making sure that we're very intentional in that work that we're doing.
0: What would you say to a student who wants to come in but is scared?
1: The first <laughs> step is always just to walk in the door. Um, if you are afraid to come in for whatever reason, reach out to myself, reach out to Andy, Renee, or Lynn. We via email we are always available we will meet with you outside of the space so that way you don't necessarily have to take an identity when you walk in this door a lot of times students a barrier for students is that initial walking through that door because you do us kind of assume an identity whether it's perceived or your actual identity and so making sure that you feel supported in the way that you want to be supported and making sure that you get connected to the resources that you want to get connected to. Um, We are available for individual consultation. We're available just to talk. We are here to get you connected to other parts of campus if that's something that you feel more comfortable with. But we're just here to better help and better serve our campus community. So if you are afraid to walk in the door, we will meet you where you are within reason, (laughs) as long as it's on campus. Are
0: there any organizations
1: in the greater Raleigh area you guys are partnered with? Yeah, we work um, a lot with, well, we work um, some with our LGBT Center of Raleigh, which is in downtown Raleigh, um, which is a resource that we often refer people to, and if folks want to get connected to a more community based organizing, they can do that. The LGBT Center of Durham is also a great space um, that we work with a lot. And then just organizations that come to our campus like the Alliance of AIDS services for Carolina. Um, They come every last Wednesday of the month to do free HIV and STI testing on our campus and we host them here. And with that, you don't have to bring any insurance documentation. They just do free testing for you. And that's a great resource for those who just want to get monthly checkups. Yeah, I think that education is always super important when you are thinking about being more inclusive, thinking about diversity. Um, Diversity Education Week, right, it's a thing. Um, So I think that oftentimes people have this magical way of thinking where if I have X number of diverse friends that I'm magically diverse. No, that is not how it works at all. There is so much ongoing education that people need to do um, to be more inclusive in their thoughts and their practices. There are ways that your friend group might respond to situations that other folks may not respond to. So being aware of that and and, and being okay with not knowing everything and, and being uncomfortable in some of the things that you don't know and working towards comfort by learning more and interacting more. I also think it's important to step outside of that comfort zone that you have and go to different organizations, go to different meetings, um, go to different programs, things that you may not necessarily want or may not necessarily think that is for you, could be for you. So going ahead and attending those meetings and those events and, and learning about what's going on for that community, as well as understanding that that community, whatever they're talking about in that event for that particular community may not be reflective of the entire community, and so not generalizing, and not stereotyping, which seems really easy enough, but it's not. So being prepared for that, and then also just being prepared to do a lot of unlearning of the things that we've been taught. Oftentimes, we've been really good teachers of the bad messages, or really good students of the bad messages that we've received. So doing some of that unlearning is going to be crucial when you want to be more inclusive in your thoughts and in your practices.
0: Have you seen any conflict within the, because we were talking about intersectionality, Mm -hmm. like, have you seen any conflict between um, people of different identities, like um, queer students of color and white gay students?
1: The reason why we have um, queer people of color as, a, as a, a separate community group, that's a close community group, and, and I think this is something that is not novel to any any GLBT center or any space whatsoever, is that th- there is some inherent racism that exists within um, GLBT communities. And so there is a lot of isms that happen and, and a lot of microaggressions that could potentially happen for folks. And we're trying to create safer spaces for people who identify as people of color and and a part of the queer community. We're trying to educate those who are a part of the larger queer community that don't identify as people of color and making sure that we are reducing those instances of racism that may happen, reducing those instances of microaggressions that are happening, and, and opening up a larger dialogue so that the community can really be supportive and community can really be affirming. On our campus, we're doing a very good job of being intentional in our intersectional pr- approach. Intentional in our intersectional approach. So that is a mouthful. <laughs> but being really intentional and, and making sure that We are cultivating those safe spaces, but also educating our students to be more mindful of their thoughts and how that impacts and how that might send a message of unwelcoming for someone who doesn't identify as Non as white and part of the queer community and how do we shape our environment to be more inclusive and supportive and how do we work to invite people of all identities into this space and really support every single person that wants to come through that door so yeah there is there is some issues that might come from that and but from for the work that we're doing we're really intentional about being really intersectional in our approaches definitely stop by the GLBT center (laughs) Monday through Friday
0: why is this center called GLBT instead of
1: LGBT. You know, we get that question a lot, actually. Um, our center is called GLBT Center because when our center was first conceived or first created the LGBT Center of Raleigh was already a mm-hmm. thing and already an organization that had been founded And so we didn't want people to get confused um, when they do the search for the GLBT Center okay. And so we just flipped one letter and mm-hmm. made it the GLBT Center of NC State
0: For more information and updates on WKNC's podcast channel, please follow WKNC 881 on Tumblr, SoundCloud and on the iTunes store where all of our podcasts are available for download. Thanks for listening.
1: Hi, my name is Preston Keith. I am the assistant director for the GLBT Center. And when I'm not advocating for GLBT rights, I am listening to WKNC.